We are uh, continuing our series called Impact, Maximizing Our Impact in a Post-Christian Culture. Our society has become more pluralistic. Judeo-Christian worldview is no longer the baseline uh, for our culture. This is not news. We've been watching this happen for decades. And we can complain and condemn what has happened in our culture or we can do what disciples of Jesus have been doing for 2,000 years, which is adjust to the new culture. And when we say adjust to the new culture, that does not mean we change the gospel message. That stays the same. But disciples of Jesus have brought the unchanging gospel message in unique ways to every different culture. And that is the challenge in this series, how to impact a post-Christian culture. This morning, we're going to talk about maximizing our impact through our friends. Uh, the scripture reader for this morning is John Gallion. John, if you can make your way on uh, up to the podium. As he does so, I'm going to ask if you are able to please stand and face the center of the room. Uh, we read from the center of the room as a reminder to us where scripture is to be uh, in our lives. It is to be central, both in our personal lives and in our lives as a community of faith. And so, John, um, whenever you are ready, please read from John chapter 15. John 15, verses 12 through 15. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. John, thank you very much. You may be seated. Maximizing our impact through our friends. You know, if you try to come up with a definition or description of friends, you will find uh, many. Uh, I just want to share a couple of them uh, with you that I found. Uh, one's pretty much just a flat-out definition of um, a friend, which is someone that you like, know, and trust. Okay, it's a simple definition of a friend. Uh, there are other descriptions of friends. Uh, someone that you can only be mad at for a little while because you have important stuff to tell them. That's another description of a friend. Um, another one is someone who knows how crazy you are and still chooses to be seen with you in public. That's a good one. Um, or another definition of a friend is one of the many strangers on Facebook. You can go either way with that. But Jesus, in the passage that we just heard, he makes a distinction between a friend and a servant. You know, the question, what makes someone a friend? According to what Jesus says, this passage kind of answers that question for us. So I want you to see if you can identify what makes a friend a friend according to what Jesus says in verse 15. I'll, I'll read it twice for you, give you time to figure it out. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. 
I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. What makes a friend a friend? Well, Jesus says that a servant does not know his master's business, but a friend does know his friend's business. A friend, according to this passage, is someone that you give permission to be in your business. A friend is someone that you give permission to be in your business. Now, I'm using the word business as a metaphor here for your life, okay? And so who do you give permission to know what is going on with you? Who do you give permission to speak into your life? Because according to Jesus, those people are your friends. If no one has permission to know and speak into your life, then you don't have any friends. Now, you may have someone that you golf with or go shopping with or hang out with, but that doesn't make them your friends. A friend is someone you give permission to be in your business. Now let's flip that and ask a different question. Who has given you permission to know and speak into their life? Because whoever has, well, those people, they consider you a friend. And if no one has given you permission to speak into their life, then no one considers you a friend. Now, again, you can have acquaintances, you can have colleagues, you can have buddies, you can have other social contacts. It's not like you're a social pariah. But in Jesus' view, friends are more than people in our social circle. The Bible says that there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Well, we can't have those kinds of friends if no one is close to us. And in our culture, in our day, we get this completely backwards. The way that we behave is completely opposite to the implications of what Jesus is saying the role of friends are. In our culture, we do the exact opposite of what Jesus says. Because the first cultural issue, first cultural practice, is that we tell people their business even though they are not our friends. Right? We love to do this. It's almost what we live for. Okay? This is not a scoop. We love to tell people their business. Usually the generation that comes right after us, right? We want to tell them how to parent, their work ethic, everything else they do wrong. Okay? We love to tell people their business. And while this is a cultural issue, it's not just a secular cultural issue. I think this is a fair criticism of the church. Because we love to tell people their business. The culture wars are all about this. 
We want our society to live by Christian morals. There's nothing wrong with that. We can advocate our moral positions. We just have to remember that it's not very effective to do that when we are not viewed as people's friends. It just doesn't work very well. I think the last 50 years have demonstrated that. We're just slow learners. Okay? Now, again, I'm not saying, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying we don't advocate for Christian values in the public realm. I'm just saying that Jesus' movement was never really a political one. And that it's better to share our Christian morals with those who see us as friends. It's just more effective. James 1 says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Those are really good friendship qualities. Those are really good friendship qualities. The second cultural issue is that we don't share hard truth with people who are our friends. So on the one hand, we tell people who are not our friends their business, and on the other hand, our friends, we don't share hard truth with them. When it comes to our friends, that's when we don't like to tell people their business. That's when our attitude changes to, well, you know, it's live and let live kind of thing. And this makes sense because on one level, okay, family is family, right? Okay, you could have a family member that annoys you, that offends you, that bothers you. Guess what? <laughs> They're still family. Not much you can do about that. With our friends, it's different. Friends can be tossed aside. We don't have to let those people be our friends. And so we tiptoe around things because we don't want to make waves. It's common behavior. We all do it. Again, it's one of my great struggles. I'm a diplomat by nature. I'm always looking to build bridges with people. It's really difficult for me to share hard truth with people. It's just not who I am. But Proverbs 27 says, Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. A friend will find a way to share hard truth. And I find it interesting that the Bible calls it a wound. Wounds from a friend. Well, the reason it's called a wound is because when a friend shares a hard truth with you, it hurts. It's painful. But when it comes from a friend, hopefully it minimizes the pain. And if we want to make a maximum impact in a post-Christian culture, telling people who are not our friends their business and then turning around and not sharing the hard truth with those who are our friends, that is not a great strategy. It isn't going to work for making a maximum impact. Something's going to need change. Again, going back to the definition that a friend 
is someone you give permission to be in your business. I just want to highlight the part of the definition that says someone that you give permission. You see, you get to decide who is in your business. It's not something that someone can force upon you or demand or dictate. You have to give them permission. And so who do you give permission to be your friend? I'm going to read a couple of Bible verses. I'm going to let them speak for themselves and just going to have you evaluate your friendships based upon these verses. 1 Corinthians 15. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Proverbs 22. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. Proverbs 13. Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. Bad company corrupts good character. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Walk with the wise and become wise. You get to decide who is in your business. And if you struggle with maintaining boundaries with your friends, let me just quickly recommend a book. It's a classic book when it comes to boundaries. It's about 25 years old, and it's conveniently titled Boundaries. Uh, John Townsend, Henry Claude, they're a couple Christian counselors who do a great job of giving some biblical principles for establishing boundaries. And so if you struggle with maintaining boundaries, it's a great book to help you with. Again, it's a classic. You get to decide who is in your business. But what is equally true, and the part that we need to really remember, is that others get to decide also who is in their business. And they will get to decide whether or not we get to make an impact on them. If we want to maximize our impact on our friends, they have to give us permission. And the Bible tells us how we can maximize our impact as friends, how we can break down the walls that all of us put up so that we can be considered their friend, that they would view us that way, that they would trust us that way. So a couple of biblical benchmarks for friendship. One is steadfastness. Steadfastness. Steadfastness is about loyalty. Proverbs 17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. People need to know that we are with them, not against them. And while that doesn't mean we agree with everything they do, we will be for them, with them, regardless. Steadfastness is about loyalty. It's also about reliability. Proverbs 20 says, Many claim to have unfailing love, but a faithful person who can find. We are all very busy. And we do not have time. We just do not have the time to be all things 
for all people. We just can't. But our friends? Well, we need to be there when our friends need us. We cannot afford to be too busy for our friends. A second benchmark is sacrifice. Jesus said in the passage that that John read earlier, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Sacrifice. Shortly after Jesus said this, he did it. He died for his friends. Now there's a good chance we will never have to die for our friends, but we will have to sacrifice for them. I was sharing, uh, talking about this message with someone, and uh, this person shared with me that, uh, about one of his neighbors. And it was a neighbor that him and his wife really didn't know very well. Again, they, you know, you, you have neighbors like this that you live by them, but you don't necessarily know them real well. Well, that was this particular situation. Um, but that neighbor had a family member pass away in a fairly tragic manner. And they were a part of a large family. And so this large family was coming in from out of town for the funeral. And they were going to need to find places for all of them to stay. And so this um, gentleman I was talking to, him and his wife talked about it. And uh, they offered their home to their neighbor's family. Hey, if you have any family members that need to stay, we have a couple extra rooms. They can stay at our place. Well, the neighbor took them up on the offer and had some of their family stay with them. So the funeral took place, the family came, the family went, and after the family left, what he noticed was that his relationship with that neighbor had completely changed. They talk more, they share more about what's going on in each other's lives. They are so much closer to being friends than they were before simply because of the sacrifice. Sacrifice. And then there's sharpening. Let me explain what I mean by that. Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Again, a verse that we just, I just read earlier was, Bad company corrupts good character. The question is, what kind of influence are we on others? How well do we challenge others so that they become sharper, better, more improved? And again, it's not our responsibility to fix people, but there are, there are interesting enough, there are two kinds in the world of sports, there are two kinds of superstar athletes. There's the kind of superstar athlete who is so talented that their pure talent, when they're on the field or on the floor, it makes their team winning so much more likely simply because of their talent. Then there's the kind of superstar who, yes, is super talented, but in, in addition to bringing their talent to the field or floor, they also have an ability to make all of their teammates better. They bring out the best in their teammates. So while it's not our job to fix people, how do I challenge others to bring out the best in them? And I think the first step to that, it's a really simple concept, and it's easy to do. 
And that is to simply believe in people. And maybe that's not so easy to do. Now that I think about it a little more, believe in people. You want to challenge someone, believe in them. Think about it. What happens to you when someone believes in you, believes that you can attain a goal or a certain characteristic or become a certain kind of person? When someone believes that you can do it, it challenges us to do it. Because there's someone out there expecting us to do it. They think we can do it. And so we're encouraged, we're motivated, we're challenged to do something better, to be sharpened. Steadfast, sacrifice, sharpen. Three benchmarks for friendship. And if we want to earn people's permission to speak into their lives, to be considered their friend, we must become experts in these three things before we even think about advocating our worldview or our morality. We need to do those three things first and earn people's permission. Now, the good news is that Jesus wants to be our friend. And I I know that that may sound kind of corny, but I just want you to consider the implications that even with Jesus, we get to decide who has permission to be in our business. And Jesus wants to be our friend. And so what do you think Jesus is doing in our lives to earn that? He's being steadfast. He will be loyal to us. He is for us. He is for you not against you. He will be reliable. He will be there when you need him. Jesus will sacrifice for you. He's already given his life for you. That's one of the reasons why the cross is so compelling, why it unites so many of us, because it is the greatest example of friendship. Salvation is possible because Jesus wants to be our friend. Love for friends is what brings salvation to us all. And Jesus will sharpen us. Jesus believes in you. It's one of my favorite little cliches. Do you believe in Jesus? Because he believes in you. That's all good news, folks. And the challenge for us, those of us who want to maximize our impact on our friends, is to mimic what Jesus has done and is doing for us. And when we do, when we do that, others experience the grace, the mercy, and the love of Christ. Not just our grace, not just our mercy, not just our love, but the grace, mercy, and love of Christ. And we are told that we are the light of the world. And so let's begin by shining that light on our friends. Please pray with me. Lord, help us see how all, in all the different ways you demonstrate that you want to be our friend, that you want to speak life into our lives 
And Lord, I pray for anyone in this room who just has a hard time seeing that. I ask that your spirit would work in their hearts and help them see your loyalty, your reliability, your sacrifice, how you want to challenge them, how you believe in them. And Lord, I ask that you'd give each of us the strength, the perseverance, and the patience to be steadfast, sacrificial, and sharpening to all of our friends. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.